Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us wherever you are around Australia, around the world. We really do appreciate the time that you take to tune in to listen to us every week, some golf lovers talking about the love of golf, and uh, we hope you love golf too. Of course, if you're listening, you must love golf. Well, we've got a big show today. We've got all of the events of last week's golf all around the world to have a chat about and some golf coming up and some other random experiences of uh, this week. We've got three people on the podcast, so we're joined by PK and Scotty Carter joining us all the way from Sydney, Melbourne, just covering it all. Let's bring the boys in. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back, uh, Phil PK, PK official Kethel up there in Sydney. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us again. You're welcome anytime. You don't need an invitation. Uh, you don't need for me to ring you at 7.30 about half an hour before we record and say, can you join us tonight? You don't need. You can just self-invite anytime. Uh, great to have you back. Uh, and also, I'm also up there. Uh, I've already seen him once this week. This is the second time this week. So it's a bonus for uh, Scott Carter and I to um, get together. How are you, Scott? You well? I'm good, mate. I'm the lucky one, Roscoe. But, uh, yeah, no, thank, thanks also for having me on your show. And uh, good to see you, PK. Thanks for joining us again, mate. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks, Scott. Two of the finest lovers of golf in the land, and uh, they give a lot to the game. Uh, PK, you were up there at the Oz Open on the weekend giving your time as a volunteer. Uh, we will talk about all of that. And uh, Scott Carter may have some bragging rights. It's not often that uh, that he gets uh, some bragging rights in a golfing sense over yours truly, and... Uh, but, you know, he's going to get his stage right now to give everyone the facts, the hard facts, and very hard for me to accept facts that uh, in an ageing body, you know, dis- and we're going to talk about rollback and distance, and my distance has been well and true the rollback before we even talk no about the ball. ball back. Before we no, talk about the, the ball. Roll, the ball rolled back. No, no, not at all. Not at uh, all. Scott Carter, we had the occasion uh, at the courtesy of uh, our great supporters, uh, Bushnell, um, down there at the the um, Challenge Celebrity Golf Day. I'm not challenge Robert Allenby's golf day down there at uh, Yarra Yarra for the benefit yeah, of Chat Challenge. Event. We were down there, had a great day, great morning, saw some great people, picked up a couple yeah. of prizes. Uh, I'm you know, yeah. carrying on my hole in one form, you know, just jagged the nearest to pin, which is so unheard of in my golf, like to pick up a nearest to pin prize. I, I think it was, if 987 was my last hole in one, uh, up until now, well, probably my last nearest to pin prize in any club competition or pro am or anything that I've done in any form of golf might have been 1988. I picked up a picked up a nearest to pin, but you know, you know, and everyone that's listening knows that that's not what I turn up for. What do I uh, turn up your for? Your strength is the driving, Roscoe. Your strength is definitely the driving. <laughs> and what happened? Well, I mean, let's just take us through the history. Let's start with the history. So how many long drive competitions have you taken out, Roscoe, on these charity events or, or like uh, Pro-Am days or anything? Is it several? Are we up to Dev- three? Definitely four? several. It's been a lot. If, several, been a lot. if several is a generic term for multiple, uh, yeah, um, yes, there's several. There was the Vic Open with Wade Ormsby. There was the Australian, uh, Australian Open last year. Um, there was another one at the Vic Open, I think. So... And, and plus, but there wasn't one on Monday, Roscoe, was there? There wasn't. There wasn't. No. But no, but I got be- lucky, mate. I think I got lucky. There was a tailwind. I think I caught the downslope of that bunker that I that uh, that I cleared. Was at the eighth hole? No, uh, 
eighth hole, eighth hole at Yarra Yarra, par yep. five. Par five down the um, hill, back toward up down the hill, then up the hill. Yeah. Mate, you smashed um, it. Like, let's, let's I, give I you cre- credit where credit's due. They had the track man there, so they had the uh, track man on and uh, they were measuring ball speed and distance and you absolutely smashed it. Uh, 160.5 miles an hour of ball speed. Now, if you, if you don't know what ball speed is, you know, go and look up that, uh, how, how it's all measured. But really when you're doing any sort of on-tour club fitting or um, analysis of performance of golf club, you know, talking about ball speed, um, swing speed is one thing, but ball speed is the, the holy grail. And uh, 160 for a couple of, um, you know, oh, aging, yeah, aging, aging golfers is pretty good, mate. It's pretty good. Oh, and My back's been a bit sore the last 24 hours, Roscoe. I wonder if that's why, man. Okay. Uh, went a bit too hard at it. No, what, but, what, uh, what golf ball were you using? What golf ball was that? Uh, that was the Bridgestone. Okay. Um, the same one as Tiger uses. The Tiger ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sort yeah. point, but we'll get to that. You know what ball I was using? I don't uh, even know Wilson. what ball. I don't even, yeah, it was a Wilson. Was it a Wilson? I know yeah, you had a, a Wilson out there at like, one stage. When was the last time that you ever saw a Wilson claiming any driving distances on a tour? <laughs> so no wonder, you know, we, we, this isn't this is. I got you go by, by, by a good five, six, seven, maybe 17 metres or something, wasn't it? Or, no. Oh, maybe um, you, there's you only a few. There's only a few. Roscoe, you, you had to, um, you need to use the Wilson distance ball. Maybe that's Maybe that was the reason why. Uh, I think it was the Wilson, the one that um, Manolo, Manolo does golf, the one that he was promoting there. I think I've reviewed them for Drummer Golf TV uh, some time ago and might have had a couple lying about and I've lost all my golf balls otherwise. Uh, but I don't think the Wilson's uh, lost on any golf long drive things. Um, but anyway, no, but in fairness, you cracked 160 and uh, ball speed and I was 155. And that for me mm. was a telltale sign that I need to actually, you know, I've talked about getting back in the gym and doing some health and fitness and all that sort of stuff about 87 times in the years of doing this podcast. Well, this is making this the 88th time um, because I need to get back to 160. I know I've been there before, but I need to get back there. Any any listeners, if you've got any advice on how I can, how an, an ageing, you know, I should be on the yeah. seniors tour, but basically with that saying, you know, everyone knows how old I am anyway, but I'm seniors tour qualified, put it that way. Uh, how do I get back up to 160? If you want to throw some uh, ideas at me, let, let, let's go. Um, maybe maybe that's a goal for 24, Roscoe. And and I was thinking the other day, maybe we should uh, we should do a, a pod there at the end of the year or the start of next year and like set some golf goals, set some uh, some other types of goals and, um, you know, track them throughout the year and just see how we're going. But, well, yeah, okay. Must say the tuck shop arms. Um, for those <laughs> look at watching those. at home, look at, not watching at home. <laughs> look, look at that. Other, other than the uh, unseemly colour, uh, never seen sun in five years. Yeah. Kids um, are too old to be working at the tuck shop now, Roscoe. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. We could measure it with the benefit maybe of technology. One. Yeah. Maybe with the full swing kit. Maybe we could use the full swing kit to do our oh. launch monitoring and measuring and really. Uh, We'll have to have them on board. There's some speed training throughout the year, Roscoe. Really dial yeah, it in. Um, are you on board for that, PK? You, you might have to join us a little bit more next year. Yeah, well, funny, like I said, because I've got no idea about my you know, swing speed or or, um, or ball speed or whatever, but um, the other week I went to the opening of the um, Precision Golf, the new um, setup that's in Chroma. Yeah, they look great. Um, and like I said, just – Obviously, now that I know yours, you know, 155 and 160. So using their Stealth 2 driver that I just picked up, um, the picture that I, I had was club speed was 107 and the ball speed was 159.2. Okay. Not bad. So, not, not bad. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we, we need to go on to a, a common device. So if you are out there and you um, – 
and congrats to Sam from um, Golf Performance Store, who was one of the suppliers of Drum and Golf, who was all in there at uh, that centre in Cromer. They've got the 14 golf uh, gear down there, the um, wedge fitting centre and all of that sort of stuff. So Sam, who's taken over from Ricey, so Clint Rice used to own that business, has sold it to Sam in Sydney. Uh, they distribute 14 golf clubs, um, which you can't get at Drum and Golf, but you can get other places. Um, they're using that as a bit of a centre down there. So congrats to Sam. He's a great fella. Saw him at the uh, Oz Open briefly. Said g'day and uh, it's all going well. They also have a launch monitor. So if anyone wants to jump on and be the uh, official launch monitor supplier and full swing golf, you, of course, you get the first uh, opportunity and write a reply. Um, we should do that. Now, um, just quickly back to the um, back to Monday at Yarra Yarra. So more importantly, Roscoe, did you go first and then get outdriven by Scott? No, I was chaser. I was definitely chasing. Like he, he actually let a big one rip, and I thought this is this is long. It had to, you know, to get any form of distance, you got to hit it with a draw, and uh, it really it was the perfect shot. It was, you know, despite the fact it was probably the only one he hit all day. Oops, oops sorry, Scott. Uh, no. Well, it was the only draw I hit all day, Roscoe. <laughs> it was. Yeah, so. that's not my that's not my stock shot off the tee. So uh, I, I I knew I had to pull something out to give it half a chance. So uh, I had to turn over it a little bit. A sign of a and, good golfer. Yeah. Sign of and a what was golf. the prize, Scott? We don't know. What was the driver? No, what was the prize? What, what was, was the, the prize? It, the prize. Oh, yeah, not sure yet. No, no, no prize has been um, has been received yet. But uh, got definitely got word that we we took it out. But um, but yeah, yet to receive the email. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, so Scott hit his ping G. What was it G four hundred? Four hundred. G four hundred with the yeah. shaft, the Torx sixty five shafts, as supplied We've by talked myself. About that shaft uh, um, that you helped me out with, Roscoe, and mm-hmm. it has made a big difference to me and and, and the ball flight. So yeah, no, I'm loving it, mate. Um, Is that the one that yeah, was favorite. delivered over the? Yeah, chucked the, over the, the fence, speared over the fence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the fence. And I had the. Yeah, um, so that's working wonders. I had my old faithful, the Callaway um, Rogue ST uh, Max LS, uh, which I've had for twelve months now. It's been over twelve months. And uh, I've had the paradigm. I gave the paradigm to one of my staff members who was trying to um, get on tour, uh, the triple dime. So I gave it to him because he needed a new driver. He busted his old driver. So I gave it to him. I went back to my old one. I uh, whacked a new shaft in it before we played, um, the Fujikura Speeder, which, and that helped, but uh, obviously didn't help enough. But all this chibber-jabber around uh, distance, you know, certainly leads into one of the topics of tonight's podcast, and we'll come back to that. It's, co- of course, this discussion that the Governing bodies of uh, golf, the USGA and the RNA, uh, have got together and it's imminent. It's going to announce this rollback of the ball. They've done away with the model local rule that was planned and that model local rule that would see that the um, ball would be rolled back for the professional game and the amateur game would Mm. continue to stay as we know it. Well, now they're just going to roll the uh, ball distance um, speed, how they measure it, back for the entirety of the game comes into effect uh, I haven't got it written down but it's like 2028 or thereabouts or 2030 or something like that I think it's 2028 yeah. when they're going to start and by 2030 it's going to be like full on that's yep. the way we roll so that's you know got the whole set the whole golf world a lot you know there, and there's so much the division is clear there's either yes roll it back and roll some other things back and yep. then there's the other half that's like what do you think don't take our distance away you know the amateur game do not take our distance away. Um, yeah. Do you want? Do we want to keep talking about that now, or do you want to come back to that? How do you want to roll? Yeah, Scott? Let, let, let's keep. Let's roll on through it, Roscoe. Hmm. Now, um, sorry, I was just saying. My understanding is like they've increased the speed that the test is going to be 
conduct that. So it's up to 125 miles an hour and there'll be like a 5% reduction in the in the distance at 125 yeah. miles per hour. So it's clearly going to affect the the players that are chasing speed. You know, we joked about chasing speed and you know, how yeah. we should get on that journey, but the players that are chasing speed are going to be affected most. And then I guess the way that I sort of very simply process in my head is that as you get slower, the the impact is going to be less in the amateur game, I would thought, I would think. I think that's what everyone's saying too, yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, the, the actual impact on 98% of the people that play the game is going to be um, like not even, you, you know, it's no impact at all. Like they're not even going to notice it. Um, it's not going to change how they enjoy the game or play the game or, or score in the game. Like I think, um, yeah, the, the, the number of voices around, you know, complaining about it and trying to wind everyone up is is just silly. Um, you know, the they're in, they kind of got pushed into a corner a little bit, didn't they, Roscoe? Because as you said, they they um, put out this model local rule um, suggestion. The tours all um, were talking about it. The manufacturers were talking about it. Um, they whipped up a, a um, they spun it so uh, it was going to impact everybody, and it was the worst thing possible. Um, but I think the governing bodies know that something has to be done. And so while well, they tried for the least impact on everyone and just impact the people that are gaining from this technology, um, and they pushed back on it, so now everyone is going to have to play um, a different ball. Uh, I, I don't mind it. I think whatever, it's going to make almost no difference to me and, and my game and and, and uh, the scores and how I enjoy it. So um, I don't care, just you know, I, I barely even look at a ball um, before I, you know, that I'm buying or, or know what kind of ball I like. I've got so many different types of balls in the bag anyway, so who cares? Well, clearly I don't as a result of the ball that I was choosing to try yeah. and outdrive. <laughs> um, PK, you know, you're at the cutting edge of, you know, the every everyday golf. You know, you're, you're out there at the at the indoor centres, you're up there at the um, Artarman at the par three game. You, you know, you're in charge of the Sydney chapter of the golf crew. So, you, you know, you're planting yourself really in that social golf sort of scene. Um, what are your thoughts on this discussion? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm very much the same as Card at Scott, um, but... He's reaching for props. You know, you can't see yeah, it, but he's, he's turning away. Yeah, I, I, know, he's re- I know I was going to... Um, so given my current form... With our with our um, social golf club, um, with the RSL, if you're the lowest points, the next game you play with a pink ball. So that's a Volvic at that a Volvic ball, which I must admit I I have played with them quite a few times and they're not too bad. But yeah, like Scott said, yeah, you can reach into a bag and it's either going to be a Strixon, Callaway, Titleist, um, there's even other random ones like Snell or um, what else we got? Yeah, Bridgestone. So, yeah, like I said, a ball's a ball. It's At the end of the day, they don't float, and as long as they bounce off trees when I hit them, then we're fine. Yeah, having sold about, at last count, and I've stopped counting how many golf balls I actually sold, but I think last count I was up to 1,117,256 golf balls sold in the last nine years of uh, drum and golf. Uh, it's it's split. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are very precious about, or precious not the right, but particular about the type of golf ball that they play. You know, or the brand mm-hmm. of golf ball that they play. You know, some people will only ever play a Pro V One because, you know, they know that on tour that that is the number one ball played. Some people, you know, the growth of you know, you mentioned Bridgestone hitting Bridgestone for for the drive hitting Bridgestone. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that changed when Tiger 
you know, they stamped Tiger's name on the side of that. We couldn't, you couldn't give a Bridgestone golf ball away five, six years ago. And when Tiger jumped on, put their stamp on the side, everyone wanted Bridgestone balls. Um, yep. You know, the Callaway Chromesoft family has sort of been up and down, but now, you know, with the calibre of players that are using Callaway clubs and also Callaway balls, you know, we know who they are, you know, that ball is well and truly back on the market. You know, the development that they put into making these balls is substantial. And you can see why the manufacturers get a little bit sort of worked up because they it's such a big part of their business and they pour so much R&D into their ability to market their brands on a golf ball and by who chooses or, or who gets paid um, to use their golf ball. So it's a, it's a massive thing for them. And I, I can only imagine, I haven't had any discussion, this comes with no qualification that, you know, these guys are pushing, had been pushing back to the authorities to say don't do this um, because it gives them so much clout in the headspace of people like us, you know, and – I think I think about our round yesterday, and again, this is without this is no facts or anything, Scott. But if you mm. go back to our round yesterday, now we're playing Ambrose or Scramble. If you're listening to this in the UK or the US, now we all hit, and you know we had a couple of you know a ten marker, and we had um, Mike, who was probably a fifteen marker, or, but an older gentleman. They get their job is to get one down the fairway, and then you and I get up there and unload. And between one of the yep. two of us, you know, we'd have a decent drive down there. If you think mm. about all of the holes at Yarra Yarra, one of the Sandbelt's classic Alex Russell courses, you know, it's been retweaked by the great Tom Doak and his team recently. Yeah. On any of those par fours, did we have anything less than a pitching wedge or a 56 degree in our hand? No, it wasn't many in those short, short par fours. Well, any of the par fours. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was any. Well, there's part- a long one up the hill there. Um, uh, uh, yeah, there's a long one that we're hitting. You know, we still had 185 into um, up the hill there. One hole. Uh, one yeah. hole was it? Yeah, one, one, one hole. One of them. Mate. One. Yeah, that which we thought thought was a par five relative to the distance of the other par fives, which we all basically hit in two anyway. Yeah. So, you know, like, what's what could be wrong with us? You know, we're I'm a 50 year old golfer. Yeah, okay, we're swinging more than the average, I guess. You know, we're in the pointy end of the average yeah. speeds. But I, I, I wouldn't like mind it, Even if that, you know, with a different ball, like even if we lose the 5 to 10% um, of distance with that, with a different ball, what's, you know, what are we going to be hitting in an extra, like an extra 10 metres or something like that? Like, I mean, that's only going to change the club by if we're hitting a pitching wedge, we're going to hit 9-iron. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, so it's it's really not going to have any impact on it. I've been thinking uh, whatsoever. Thinking about this, and as as I um prepare to get some golf clubs out of storage that have been tucked away, and I've got some some of my old sets there, and my Cleveland Byron Nelsons that are a beautiful unused set of one iron through sandwich with some special wedges, and some mint persimmons. Like I thought, n- n- talking about testing in twenty twenty four and doing something different. You know, I might actually go and play for a while with those things and just see what the actual difference mm. is to my score. Because, you know, this ball evolution has kept going and going and, you know, I, I go back to 1983, 85, 86, 87 when I was playing decent golf with persimmons, with ballatas and Serlin cover balls. Yeah. I was playing, you know, I was 15, 14, you know, I didn't have any man muscles and I was playing as good as I do now. I was playing as good as I, I was when the first Pro V1 came out in, yeah. you know, early 2000s when that, change the game. I, yep. I, I just don't see at our level 
how it's going to change anything. And I don't think it'll change too much at the professional level. You know, the distance isn't going to be rollback. It's just the speed the speed that it gets tested at. So as people chase more speed, the ball just isn't going to – they're not going to get the benefit as they chase more speed. Am I wrong? Is that sort of right? No, I think that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy your golf. The message is, people, don't worry about you – Yeah, know, don't worry it's, about it's it. It's a few years away. Um, turn up, buy your golf balls, hit the nearest of pins, win some golf balls and, you know, enjoy your golf. It's not, the game's not going to change. The, the ethos of the game of why we turn up week in, week out isn't going to change. You're still going to play with your mates. You're still going to have a drink, a bet if that's your thing. You're still going to play different courses, travel the world, you know, froth on about the top 100s and all of that sort of palaver. Yeah. Let's play golf. You're still going to hit a, you're still going to hit a wedge and try and get holes in one and spin one back off the green and flub your chip and three putt. Nothing, you know, it's not going to make ruin your, ruin your golf game. Anyway. We still would have had a good time yesterday, Roscoe, with uh, uh, with any any type of ball, wouldn't we? I mean, 10 under off the stick. Mm. Who's not having fun shooting that, eh? Wasn't bad. Bogey wasn't, free? Wasn't bad. How much? Pretty good. What was the winners on? Well, we're just trying to find out, but yeah, uh, apparently we, we can't get an answer out of the organisers. So probably about 25 under. I don't know. <laughs> Look, in, in, in fairness, to, uh, and congratulations to Robert Allenby. He wasn't there. Uh, he was yeah. um, overseas, um, didn't come back for this one. It's always on the week, a day yeah, after the, the – Back surgery. Back surgery, right. Uh, the Robert Allen, Allenby um, Challenge Cancer Charity Golf Day is always on the day after the Oz Open. It's always been immensely supported uh, by the golf industry and by, you know, the corporates and by the players that come along. It's not an inexpensive um, cost to put a group in there. Uh, you get the benefit of going to the gala dinner last night. Our ticket didn't cover that. We just turned up for the golf. And um, But there's a lot of people who turn up and spend a lot of money in supporting that charity. It's a very worthwhile charity. Challenge Cancer, Luke the Duck. You know, I, I remember talking to one of the ladies yesterday about uh, Keely Marks and the work that she did for with hashtag doing it for Jared. So it's a it's a great foundation. And, and Robert Allen gets chastised for many things or, you know, he's the, the butt of a lot of uh, golf jokes over the journey. But this one thing that he's done st- will stand the test of time and his legacy will be uh, around for a long time with the work that he puts in in putting his name to this uh, day to raise a lot of money for Challenge Cancer. So, um, yeah. you know, and you saw Her- Herbie on the weekend uh, – representing Luke the Duck and, you know, the players that, uh, on the PGA Tour that still wear the Luke the Duck badge. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. Bryony Lyle. And congrats to Rod Murray too, by the way, for um, winning an award at the Australian Golf Media Association Awards on Saturday night for his um, oral – his podcast. It was his was best oral production um, was the award that he won um, for his interview with Bryony Lyle. Um, so well done to Rod Murray, who is really is the gold standard for golf journalism and also golf uh, podcastery mastery. Um, yeah, so well done. Now, R- R- Roscoe, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned those awards because uh, I was waiting for the right time to interrupt and uh, and bring everyone's attention to the fact that you also won an award there, mate. So um, a massive congratulations to you. What was it? It was the best video um, presentation. Uh, yeah, uh, you won for for the uh, yeah. Talk talk us through it, mate. But we're super proud of you, and, and yeah, it's a it's a huge um, acknowledgement and well deserved. And you know the the impact and kind of the um, yeah the support that you show the golf community. Um, this is just one small way I think of that acknowledgement. So uh, yeah, t- tell us every, tell everyone what what was it was for. Well, thank you. Uh, it was the, I, I did win the award for the best visual presentation in 2023, the section of that awards, which runs from like October to October. So if a bit of work's published in October 22 and to October 23, it qualifies. 
And uh, you may remember last October I had the opportunity to um, voluntarily, voluntarily go down to um, King Island and Barmboogle with the great guys, James Gribble, Ben Tullipan from Empower Golf. Um, and they really exist to change the way that golf's perceived in amongst the uh, disabled community and using golf as a vehicle to help people with disabilities, you know, to find and discover golf and um, really create pathways for, you know, all people of all abilities to really learn golf. And they wanted to showcase uh, that playing golf with a disability, in Ben's case, having both of his legs, you know, effectively blown off in the Bali bombings and, you know, left under a sheet to um, as dead and then discovered by an Australian doctor who was there on the scene to help him and saw a sheet with Ben underneath it moving and said, hey, this fellow's still alive, we've got to look after him. Well, that's, that was Ben's situation, lost both his legs. James Gribble, who was um, on his way back from London after working to Australia, stopped off in America to go f- um, fishing for sharkfish or something like that, you know, some exotic fish in the you know, Zambezi River, uh, went for a run, sat at the um, on the chair at the uh, bar of the hotel he was staying at, fainted, passed out, fell back off the chair, hit his head, broke his neck, quadriplegic for the rest of his life. Um, tragic, absolute tragic. And both massive golf lovers and, you know, really um, now James is the head of Empower Golf, the founder, plays golf in a paramotion, uh, has special clubs with special grips to allow him to hold the club. You know, he doesn't have the grip ability, you know, the ability to grip the club properly, but he has this special grip and he can make a swing and he can hit the ball really well and um, he really is the face of it. And uh, the trip was to document that journey, you know, on uh, the Sharp Airlines, put the paramotion on the plane, get to King Island, play those two courses, fly across the Barnboogle, play those two courses and just show everyone what a great uh, spirit of uh, golf existed. Uh, it was my first ever video production. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, the boys knew I had a camera and I could point a camera and shoot it, but I didn't know what to do with it after that and I made something of it. It turned out okay. Um, it's not the best quality video that you've ever seen, but what is very, very, very good, and it's nothing to do with me, it's all to do with them, is the emotion and the passion that comes through for loving golf and uh, just the great work that they do and, and why they exist. And, you know, if you watch it, it's hard not to. I've watched it a thousand million times. Um, it's hard yeah. not to get emotional every time you watch it. So it was really nice recognition. The golf Australian Golf Media Association. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't consider myself golf media. You know, the guys that are on that are all proper journalists. You know, they they write the magazines, they write the articles, they do the blogs, they do the websites, they write the books and all of that sort of stuff. They are the proper real backbone of the golf media industry in Australia. But I for whatever reason, got the opportunity to sort of sit in there and then be invited. You pay your membership fee. It's not a lot. Um, They have a couple of golf days. I've not been able to go to any of them. But I thought, well, if I'm going to sort of lean into and try and learn from and be able to talk to these guys, I've got to be able to part of their association and support it. I did that. You know, you go to the media centre at the Oz Open on the weekend and, again, they know that I'm not – they know that this is the new media. They don't challenge that but – yeah, we're not we're not writing, putting out the articles. We're not writing the things that you all that we all see come up up on Instagram, pop up on the websites. You know, the guys are sitting there, firing away, and I go out and take a few photos, come in, grab a free drink out of the fridge, sit down, download a couple of photos, and say good day to a few people. They're in there grinding away, and they're the proper journos. But they all say hello, Ross. How's it going? Welcome. Thanks for coming. All that sort of thing. It's great. So um, yeah, it was nice to be recognised. But more importantly, um, doesn't I don't know how many people were in. in how many videos were in, up for the award, 
Probably, not many, if any. Um, but the fact is it's brought a highlight to the great work of Empower Golf and um, you can check that out on the YouTube channel and please do. I'm very proud of it. So thank you. Yeah. And so you should be, mate. It, and and let, let's get the the link to it in the show notes, or get get the link to the YouTube um, yeah. show out there and the, the whole channel. But uh, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of pretty modest in your description of it there. But Roscoe, it's something you should be extremely proud of, and I know you are. Um, and proud, you, you know, of the quality that you. Uh, and their, their story is what you're presenting, but you know you did an amazing job of doing that. And yeah, I agree. I've watched it a couple of times as well, and find it hard not to get emotional listening to both of their stories. But it's it, it's just incredible. Um, but yeah, the more the more people we can get it out there and in front of, um, the better. Um, but again, mate, you, you know your, your your passion for this game, for this community, the support, the links that you go to for other people. Um, is second to none in the Australian golf industry, in my opinion. And, um, you know, it's a dead set honour to be sitting here every week doing this with you and, and just talking golf and having the chance to uh, to do it. And, um, yeah, just uh, super proud of the work that you're doing, mate, and the recognition. Thank you. Uh, I don't see it that way. I just turn, I'm just loving golf and trying to, you know, make, uh, it was always my goal to make a living out of golf and I've been able to craft that. It took a long time, took it the roundabout way. I wasn't able to play golf for a living, but we got there in the end and, um, you know, uh, we, we'll keep turning up and, and and I just love talking to people and helping and whatever I can do. Uh, appreciate that, Scott. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of helping people, um, PK, you were on the ground at the Oz Open. What a great event that Oz Open was. Again, there's a lot of chatter around still around the Oz Open and the benefit of having the mixed event the benefit, the, the detraction of having the mixed event, you know, still plenty of people that think that that should be individual events for the championships relative to their size and prestige. There are many people that think that what a great initiative to showcase the best golf in Australia under the one roof, well, two roofs, if you call the golf courses a roof, um, men's and women and, a, and all abilities field. Uh, it, it doesn't work unless there's a whole sort of ecosystem of people down there helping. You were one of the great people that stuck your hand up and says, I'm in, I'm in Sydney, I'm, I'm part of the community, I'm here to help. Uh, what was your experience like on the ground helping? Um, yeah, well, like I said, just to echo Scott's, you know, thoughts and words about, you know, your efforts as well, it was clearly example, um, you know, what were you, you were up here for four, was it four days, five days? Monday, Monday to Friday. Monday, yeah, Monday to Friday. So, you know, for the listen out there, I sent you know Ross a message going, okay, look, are you free any night to you know, catch up for you know sugar-free beverage or uh, you know a dinner or, or something to you know something to eat if you if you're around? And it was first going to be you know Wednesday, and then you know I couldn't I couldn't actually make it, and then it was um, you know because again you were so busy with and so dedicated to you know, covering you know, the action and being on the ground, you were. What, on site for 12 hours every day at the range with the full swing kits um, and then back to the hotel, have a quick, you know, basically quick quick nap and then you're back out there the next day again. So um, that's just, a, a you know, again, true testament to your dedication to, um, to the, you know, the game of golf and the community. So Thank you. Um, you know, you know, what I was thinking about. You know, who should really should get credit. I was, I was thinking about Jimmy Emanuel. Jimmy Emanuel was given my uh, trophy. Um, you know, the the prize that you get is a trophy, um, which I'm 
going to chase down. It better not go missing. But it was given to Jimmy Emmanuel to take on Sunday to give to me and Jimmy didn't realise that I wasn't there. I had to come back to Melbourne because of the house stuff we had going on. Um, now, Jimmy's at the cathedral. He came straight from there on Sunday to cathedral. So he went from the PGA, would have been there on the Monday, mm. all the way through to Sunday. He was there as soon as I got there Monday morning at 9.30, 10 o'clock, he was there. He's now at cathedral, which he was there yesterday. He's, you know, like I did Monday to Friday, you know, six in the morning till 10 at night. That's fine. He's been doing that for three weeks straight. It's unbelievable what, what these guys actually do do and credit to the um, media team from the PGA and Golf Australia. Uh, sorry, PK, but back to you. Yeah. Um, no, that's all right. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I, you know, anytime there's a, any sort of event, um, you know, in Sydney or, or, you know, nearby that I can help out, like, again, years ago I, I worked at um, – I did the Women's Australian Open when it was down at Royal Canberra. Um, but, yeah, like I said, back in 2019 when uh, the Aussie last had the Open, they had the All Abilities field there as well and um, I worked all four days with that and that was my first um, experience with some of those golfers. Some were still you know, back out there um, last weekend, um, one of them being Curtis Barkley from Canada um, and the Aussie Jeff Nichols as well. Um, and like you said, a bit like, you know, your documentary with, the uh, empower guys, it just blows your mind. Um, you know, obviously how good they are, um, considering their, their circumstances. And it just, again, just opens up a whole new sort of level of appreciation for the game of golf that again, it's not just, you know, the elite, um, players that we see on the professional tours, but it's just, you know, other people just dealing with the different circumstances and the different situations. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone's probably seen the the, the vision of that guy um, with the one leg. Like you try balancing on one leg and hitting, you know, bombs with your driver, it's it's almost impossible. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's, it's just an honour to be able to work, um, you know, whether it be one day, two days or, or four days. Um, and like I said, it's just, one seeing a great course, um, the you know the great players that we have out, as well as um, just the experience of, again you know Sunday was I worked there all day Sunday, um, and the crowds were were massive, um, and um yeah I was actually I was actually speaking to one of the um, one of the ladies from Golf Australia, um, she was there after the um, also we had a, a barbecue after the the round. And she said, look, it's it's great that we've got, you know, the two courses because obviously without two courses, it's, it's un, you know, it's impossible. Um, and, of course, someone asked her a question about, you know, the Vic Open, of course, it's been doing the mixed events for, you know, a couple of years now. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's at St. Andrews Beach or is that 13th Beach? 13th Beach. Okay. 13th. So they've got two, um, two courses on the one site. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like that's a lot easier sort of logistically because they're all, you know, the two courses are on one site, even, you know, even though the lakes and the Aussie are, are quite you know, close geographically, it's still has a, a few sort of problems um, with logistics and you know, arrangements and what have you. But um, yeah, <laughs> you know, you can't fault the, the organization of the, um, you know, of the events. Like you said, having three fields over the two courses for the first two days and then, um, oh, sorry, the, the, 
the all the billies were you know fifty four holes on. Um, so their final round was Saturday. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, anyone who loves golf would just you know turn up. And again, you can see the the new de- new demographic coming through, like a lot younger people coming through for to watch you know Minwoo Cook. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's just a it was just a really great atmosphere on on Sunday. The the crowds. You know, I saw it on TV on Sunday, um, but even the Thursday, Friday crowds were starting to build. They'd built to a level that I didn't expect. Um, they were quite strong. I went across to the lakes on Friday morning, so I spent the morning at the lakes uh, following uh, Herbie, Neiman, Scott, Moronk. Um, I forget who else. I'll come back to me. Um, crowds were huge there. Crowds were huge following the, the women. The, the big crowds there at the lakes. And I was probably, I'd have to say, I was going to be a little bit sceptical of, you know, these two courses being separate and having to get between the both. And there was a bit of bad feedback on the Vic and Kingston Heath last year, but I think Kingston Heath are a little harder to get to from Vic than, than the lakes is from the Australian. It was absolutely zero problems, you know. There was buses out the front, had to wait five minutes for a bus, two big buses rolled up, everyone that was waiting jumped on within five minutes, we were back at the front door of the Aussie and back on course and it was really pretty seamless. You know, it was no traffic, you didn't have to go through any traffic lights, it's all back streets from, from one to the other and uh, it was it was really easy and, and for me what impressed me the most was the presentation of the two courses. They don't rate, both those courses don't rate as highly when we talked about rankings before, um, they don't rate as highly as Vic, Kingston Heath, RM in the Australian sort of landscape of courses. The Australian golf course has languished, you know, much lower than where they'd probably expect it to be for a long time. And, and the Lakes doesn't, I don't think it cracks the top 10. I could be wrong. But both were absolute stunningly presented. I was at the Lakes in June and I thought it was very, very good then. Obviously, it's a Kikuyu grass. It grows very well all throughout the year. The, the, the way that that superintendent up there prepares this Kikuyu. Now, I played in Kikuyu and Cessna. I'm not comparing the two, but, yeah, my perception of Kikuyu since becoming a Victorian and, and a lover of Cooch, you know, the premium surface for golf. I thought you can't play professional golf on Kikuyu, but oh, most golfers in Sydney's in on Kikuyu. Um, mm. It was firm, fast, tight. It was beautiful. Like the, there wasn't a bad line, bad line on, the, on the place. It was absolutely stunning. But the the Australian on, on another level, like – when you were there in 2019, I was there playing the Pro-Am. First time seeing the lakes, first time playing the lakes and I thought, yeah, it's pretty good. This is really nice. As soon as I went in on Monday morning and just saw it without anyone there, it was just like, wow, this is this is a, this has moved up a level. And the comparisons of, you know, the Augusta of Australia type thing, probably not too far off the mark. You know, the fairways, the, the, the new bunkers that they've built there, the new sand in the bunkers, the way that that drains and that's another important point. The pine straw under all the pines, it was just beautiful. And once I got to walk on the fairway, which uh, was Wednesday in the prime, I had a walk around with the Mitchell Stark and the drum and golf people out there playing. It was absolutely pristine. So, you know, and the, and the feedback from the players were great. You know, they loved the, they loved the layout and they loved the course. Yeah, the the architecture bus is still gonna still gonna defer to the sand belt, and you know that the Australian is a bit too Americanized and all that sort of stuff. But it was absolutely pristine, and certainly I think it proved itself again as a tournament venue with much bigger crowds than I believe than were there in two thousand and nineteen. 
Yeah, that, that, to see that whole amphitheatre around the 18th and up on the hill there on Sunday, full, full, <clears throat> up and down the fairway, full, like chock-a-block, was fantastic. I was going to say, the last, yeah, you go, Scott. No, you go, PK, you're right. No, I was going to say, like, that was the biggest change that I noticed as well um, around the 18th. So back in 2019, they had the hospitality um, was more right behind mm. the, the 18th yeah. and a little bit to, to the left, whereas so where they were this year, that was all the um, the practice range. So um, and they, you know, you can tell they they took out some, you know, a whole heap of trees and what have you. So I think having that, um, you know, the hospitality on the other side of the water freed up like that whole hill um, for, you know, like I said, for everyone to to, um, to sit on around Sunday and watch them come up at eighteen was, you know was probably the, the best one of the best decisions they've had. But yeah, it's easily the the best course that I've had a chance to you know walk on and play once. Hopefully I get a second time in, in February, but we'll wait and see if I get that email. Um but yeah, like I said, it's just immaculate. The the new bunkers that they put in, the one that stands out when you go in, there's a new bunker that they put or that replaced the bunk on the first, which from the back tee is a long way to cover it. Um I think they were covering it. But it's just the shape and everything is really nice. But um, it stands out when you see it in the new white sand and the, and the matting and the drainage that they put in there. Now on Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, one of the two nights there was this massive torrential downpour for about 45 minutes and there was like a month's worth of rain in 45 minutes and you, you look out and you think there's no way that this course is going to be ready. It was Wednesday night because the, the next yeah. day was a tournament. <laughs> in no way these bunkers are going to be able to be played. You know, the, it's, everything's going to be washed away. If that was in the sand belt, if there's a pinch of the Kingswood, I know that much. The, the, there'd be ravines, you know, channeled into the, the faces, the sand would all be at the bottom, there'd be water. It was perfect. There's, mm. I could not believe it when I turned up at whatever, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock on the, on the um, Thursday morning. It was perfect, absolutely perfect. I couldn't believe it, really couldn't believe it. So um, you guys were you guys were talking about the the crowd there, and um, obviously the last two weeks uh, on on telly has looked like the crowds have been really solid and kind of um, big, deep, and the demographics of the crowd, I, I reckon, has changed over the last few years. And I think I remember um, Roscoe last year. You guys were talking about the live crowd and whether hey were they golfers or were they just you know, non-golfers that were interested in live because of the hype and everything that was surrounding it. And would they would they still be engaged with golf six or twelve months down the line? Um, well, I, I was watching when I was watching TV on Sunday. I was looking at the crowd and thinking, you know, um, yeah, it kind of reminded me of the crowd I was seeing on TV at live and and guys and girls at the golf that didn't look, um, you know, inverted commas here um, for those listening, but didn't look like a, a regular golf fan. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's fair to say that uh, Live Golf coming to Australia, Live Adelaide, has had a material effect on people's, on, on the interest in the game of golf in Australia, whether it be people playing, um, I think, I reckon there are, there would have been people that were at Adelaide for the first time, then they've come to the Oz Open or the PGA this year on the back of that interest, and you know, Liv's had an, an impact on the field um, at both of those tournaments this year. It's been some of the strongest fields we've had in a long time. That's going to draw bigger crowds as well. Like I, I, I don't know. I think it's hard to argue that Liv has not had a, a material impact on the interest and engagement of people in in the game of golf. It's a compounding effect of. You know, the, the game of golf becoming 
socially acceptable, you know, at a great at scale uh, since COVID. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about many times, I've seen a lot more and a lot different demographic of people coming in to buy golf clubs that otherwise mm. might have chosen to kick a footy for another couple of seasons or, or not play golf with their partner or et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole new range of people coming to the game. So that's jumped the interest level up. Certainly, you know, Australia, we love our sport. We love to support Australians. We love to support Australians when they're performing at their best. And, you know, these two tournaments have had the best that we've had in a long time in terms of Minwoo and Cam uh, Smith playing. Uh, of course, then we've got Adam Scott who just continues to turn up and play really well, you know, certainly well into uh, – yeah, his lifespan has been unbelievable for the game of golf in Australia now. Uh, and then, you know, supplementing that is the popularity of, of Liv and, and the world seeing how a golf-starved nation of, when you starve the nation of the best players and bring them down, that we turn up in droves. And then that springboarding into let's go and see if we missed that, let's do it in, in Sydney. Uh, we saw it in Adelaide, let's go and do it again in Sydney. Mm. And it's just the whole compound of all of those effects just saying, Bring, bring more good golf down here and we'll, we'll keep turning up. And the next part, you know, we'll talk about the Minwoo factor in a minute, but, you know, the final piece of the puzzle, the final piece of the puzzle for the Oz Open and it was chastising a number of areas was the coverage. The coverage on, the coverage yeah. on TV, you know, I see it from two sides of the fence. I sit here, on, I sit there in a the media centre and see all the hard work and, you, know, you get on the ground and you see the TV cameras and you see the guys scuttling around and trying to cover it all and then you sit back and watch it the next day on TV and, you know, you, you're not seeing shots, you're not seeing enough of the top players, you're not seeing what you want to see. Mm. Um, you know, that's money. You know, the, the government's spend a lot of money on bringing these tournaments to Sydney or Victoria and that's basically where a lot of the money comes from. You know, the big sponsor yep. was New South Wales government and it was hashtag live New South Wales or whatever it was. It was all over your shirt, PK. They were using you as walking billboards, promoting their message. Uh, the money comes from them to put it on. There's not enough. Mm. Give more money, the New South Wales government, Victorian government, <laughs> Australian government. You know, I'm sure I don't know the numbers on where the vision of money gets allocated to in all the sports from Australian government, federal government down. But give more money to golf because look, look what happens. It's great. And and I think for those that wanted to chastise the broadcast, it's it's just now. They might say, well, they're getting plenty of money and they're just not spending it in the right areas. We don't know. We don't know what how what it costs. We don't know what it costs to put on. We don't know how much they get and all of that sort of thing. And if you do know, well, feel free to tell us. But really that coverage was around money. They didn't have enough cameras on the ground. The cameras that they had were mobile and they were just like these guys were absolutely busting it in these little um, golf carts just going from one hole to the next and they just didn't have enough cameras around to do the job. They had some they had some great commentators, you know, they had Ewan, does a great job. Nicholas Colsarts, Mr. Cut. Great, did a great job. Uh, Alison Whitaker, one of the best in the, in the business. And then they had some footy commentators, you know, Warren Smith, you know, loves his golf, mad golfer. I'm sure given the opportunity with Channel 9 to broadcast golf, you know, as opposed to rugby league, he's going to jump at it every time. But, yep. um, you know, the whole coverage as a whole probably left a little bit, left a few people fat, flat, not defending it, be better. But we just need to keep turning out because hopefully that brings a bit more money and brings a bit more attention on 
doing things like great, have, providing great coverage is because we want the world to see how good the golf is here. You know, it's all yeah. like a little combination effect. You know, if the world sees how good it is here and they see a great coverage, well, then more people, more players are going to want to come down. You know, these mm. guys are, you know, they're, they're and tourists. They're yeah. tourists. Yeah, the, the the players like playing in the big tournaments against each other, despite the fact that the purse is probably minuscule compared to what they're used to. If they see Min Woo playing, Cam Smith playing, Neiman playing, and Adam Scott playing, and all these other great players and up and coming, the, some of the other best players in the world want to want to beat these guys and want to stand up against them. They'll come. Yeah, more of them will come. They won't all come, but more of them will come. Maybe even Jason Day will come. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Jason. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves there. Sorry, anyway. Jason. Sorry, Jason. Still feel uncomfortable about my uh, my comment last week, Roscoe. That was that was very off, but uh, we corrected it in the moment. But um yeah, anyway. Uh, I think we I think I recorrected correct, that in the editing. I think I did. Um Did you? I did. Uh it's all right. Uh so yeah, anyway, that's I, I say every week I'm good for sort of one level of um, tangential uh, rant. Uh, there it is. If you bag the com- the coverage, well, you know, I guess you're somewhat you're entitled to, but at least give the bodies the respect that uh, they've tried to do as best as what they could with yeah. what they've got. We just clearly need some more. We just need some Everyone's more. Everyone's trying hard. Yep. Everyone's trying hard. So. Um, now, the Minwoo effect, it was real. Oh. Uh, down there on the ground, you know, I went out with uh, Q, Kieran from the Teared Up Golf Podcast. We walked around on Friday afternoon for um, a good couple of hours. We tried to do a couple of little Vox Poppy interviews. You know, Kieran's a bit more brave at that sort of thing than I am. But, um, you know, once you put a microphone in front of me, clearly I very find, find it very hard to stop talking. So we, we tried to do a bit of stuff and we came across a young lady who was, uh, as she reported to us, like long-term family friends with the Min Woo Lee, uh, Min Ji Lee family. And she, mm. she just kept talking to us how they were such good children when they were young, well-behaved, beautiful manners, only ever play golf and, 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 and she, yeah. had, she had a hat on and she had a uh, white tape around Min Woo Lee Cooking School. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> but that was just one. And she was like maybe 60, 60-something. 60 uh, let's cook. T-shirts, hats, the chefs, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. This this young man has the power to change the game and continue to change the game uh, in Australia. Absolutely. Mm. And he is, deserves every everything that he gets in terms of money, sponsorship, wins, credit. He's, he's, he loves yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, we were saying last week how electric he was to watch and, and we were kind of heaping praise on him and that didn't change at all. And, and even when... You know, on a Sunday where he didn't quite have his best, and he was trying hard and um, and trying to get up there, but just didn't quite have his best. But still, just so good to watch. And um, you know, everyone was kind of glued to glued to it. Could he do it? Could he get go back to back? But um, but yeah, he couldn't quite catch uh, Joaquin, the young Chilean, um, who took it out. But uh, yeah, Minwoo, w- what a springboard for twenty twenty four! Can't wait. Uh, PJ Tour card. It's going to be massive, absolutely massive for the young man. And uh, but yeah, all credit to uh, Neiman. Followed him as I said with uh, Herbie on Friday. Sensational yeah. golfer, like hits his piercing ball flight, beautiful golf swing. Um, seemed to have a great temper. And congrats to Herbie. Herbie played pretty well. He didn't have the best Friday, but uh, bounced back on the Saturday. Was in contention there for a good chunk until uh, I can't remember what hole it was. But he sort of blew out on one hole, had a double or a triple, something like that. Uh, yep. Clearly, still still finding something. Um, spent a good chunk of time walking and talking with Dom as a party, his coach. Uh, great to catch up with him. 
uh, and the whole Herbie clan was there. His new partner was there. Uh, Dom was there. Dom's daughter was there. Uh, Billy Hewitt was there. Billy Hewitt takes uh, a lot of the photos. If you follow Herbie on Instagram, you'll see uh, a lot of the yeah. images. Uh, that was interesting to chat about, you know, just to get a bit of an insight into how all the players, you know, structure these teams and, you know, a lot of them invest money in having someone to handle their media and social media and all of that sort of stuff so they don't have to worry about it. They know they need to do it. Um, well, Billy is there living with Herbie in Orlando um, or Florida, um, you know, doing, following around, taking photos and making videos and cutting up reels and all that sort of thing uh, to yeah. keep the, the Herbie wheel going. So it was just really interesting to follow him around and talk about that and catch up with Dom. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm not sure. What do we talk, what do we talk about there? Oh, the winner. Uh, the winner was Neiman, but the women's winner. Sorry, we've got to talk about the women's winner and also the All Abilities winner, Ash Bilhite, back-to-back. Sponsored yep. by, again, uh, Drum and Golf funding, um, sponsoring, you know, paying for the right to be on her uh, sleeve, on her apparel uh, as her tournament sponsor. Um, seems to be a great investment because she's won back-to-back for them. And just yeah, it's working out well. A great a great golfer, um, toughed it out on Sunday, you know, didn't play a best yeah. round but kept a hot charging Min Ji Lee who, who very much had the fan support on her side, uh, kept her at bay, had a knee knocker, maybe a couple of footer to uh, win the thing on the 18th, just uh, sent her a cup, no problems. But Ash is a, uh, is a lovely girl. I've uh, spent a bit of time talking to her, her husband Dave, and um, very, very uh, – I met her caddy. Tanya Patterson. Uh, we're on the range. Um, Ash has got a full swing kit, which she uses overseas. I had my full swings kits on the range. I put behind her. She was soon immediately. I put it behind. She was getting some numbers, checking that. Really good. I said, "Oh, Tanya Patterson." She says, "Oh, my husband's from Scotland. Uh, he's got a place over there, and we sometimes spend it because I was Scotland. We talked about all of that." And uh, she said, "Oh, I follow you on Instagram. What's your name? Ross Flanagan. Got golf. Great. Uh, what are you, oh, Tanya Hull Patterson?" I went, "Tanya Hull Patterson." Tanya Hole? She went, yeah, that's me. What about it? I said, the same Tanya Hole that used to terrorise us around at the, you know, Jack Newton Sub-Junior International Classic at Cessnock in about circa 1983 to 1987 playing for the Western Australian team, staying at the Newton's house. She said, yeah, that's me. She said, how do you know? I said, well, I was up there a couple of years older than you, you know, junior captain. So it was just so good to have this full circle connection to Ash Bilhai, back to Tanya Hole, who's a caddy who used to play on tour, um, whose husband is, is from Scotland who supports Heart of Midlothian. So I made, I, I made some new friends. See? You've got to make some go- new friends. That's what golf does. You make new friends all the time. If you just talk to people and be nice, you make new friends. Mm. Um, so good day to Tanya. Um, good to see her again after about 45 years of um, you know, separation through the world of junior golf. There you go. She was very good. But yeah, golf. mate, as you, you mentioned that Ash fighting hard. Like she had, when she shoot three over on Sunday, but mm. you could just really tell on that that's back nine how hard she was grinding and concentrating and her kind of mental strength there when she didn't have her best game. And it was tough conditions. It was a bit windy out there, it looked like, um, from where I was sitting on the couch. But, um, but yeah, and with Minji kind of coming fast, like that would have been quite a bit of pressure on her. Like Minji started seven shots behind yeah. Ash. So she had a decent lead. Um, but, uh, yeah, poor old Minji, every time she made some, made up some ground, she backed that up with a bit of a mistake. Um, uh, but uh, Ash, Ash's putter was super hot. Some of those putts, those putts yeah. that she rolled in both days, Saturday, Sunday, were clutch, absolute clutch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, so what is it, 17? She put it in the water and then made bogey. So I think Minji kind of had an opportunity there and then 
Yeah, Minji really should have made birdie on that last hole, um, but the, the, the wedge in just um, just went long to the back of the green. Mm. That was that was her chance, I think. She uh, she needed to make birdie there, but um, yeah, as you said, like Ash just kind of hung tough and and um, well, that back was, to back. That putt on seventeen. That after dumping it yeah. in the water, that putt on seventeen. Yeah. It was to make bogey. <laughs> yeah, Man, that was that was that distance. Uh, yeah, they love it here in Australia. Um, you know, she was reported to have said, you know, where do I sign up for my Australian passport now that I've won this thing twice? They Did do she? love it. They do love it here in Australia. They're uh, on holidays sort of north of where you are, PK, having to take a bit of time off with uh, Dave's family. Dave's family just lives in Coogee. They really mm. do uh, have enjoyed both of their uh, years uh, here. Helps when you win. But they enjoy their time here. And um, I told her, so I'm looking forward to seeing you at St Andrews uh, at the Women's Open uh, this year. Well, next year, sorry. Um, so I can't wait to um, to do that and back that up and hopefully sprinkle a little bit of Mojo M Log Mojo Magic Dust again. There you go. Oof. There could be something there, Roscoe. Like she's uh, she gave you a little congrats comment on your post about your award as well. So um, very nice. So yeah, I think um, yeah, catch up with her in San Andreas. See if you can get her a, a win over there. That'd be great. Okay, uh, next uh, Hero World Challenge. Didn't see much of it. Too busy watching these Aussie golf. Scotty Scheffler wins. Uh, PK yep. one uh, by three, one by three. PK Scotty, did you get a read on the uh, Tiger Show? No, I picked um, Ricky Fowler in the Teepster. So I was, yeah, like I said, it's just a guaranteed. It was a guaranteed, um, yeah, payday. So I, yeah, don't even know. I wasn't really watching it um, or, or sort of following it because obviously I was out there on Sunday at Aussie. Um, yeah. But again, sort of, I guess, in a way, linking back to the, the coverage, it would have all just been about Tiger, regardless that it's his, that he's you know the host, because it was his comeback, comeback, and you know Friday morning our time, you see, oh look, he shot, you know, a thirty-two front line or whatever it was, and you know he could have shot eighty-six, and he would have been all over the, you know, I'm sure, over the coverage of whether it be ESPN or CBS in the, in the states. Um, and they would have analysed you know, every single shot of of his you know, comeback round or comeback tournament. So, yeah, there's yeah, some good golf played in there. Um, mm. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, um, PK. But uh, Scotty, it kind of felt like Scotty had figured out his putter and uh, you know wins by three. Um, although Scheffler did uh, his strokes came putting on the fourth round was um, wait for it last in the field. They lost over three shots to to the field in in the final round. Still one by three. So, I think we <laughs> we could be looking at twenty twenty four with Scotty Scheffler back to ball striking best and uh, and getting the putter half decent and winning by three or four multiple times. Um, if if that's anything to go by, but a um, couple of standouts for me, Roscoe. So JT had a good week after a rough start. Um, he made triple bogey on his fourth hole, so he bounced back and finished um, uh, what, uh, T or, or outright third or something. So um, good result for him. Um, Tony Finau also finished the year off strong, um, coming good in that last event of the year. Uh, Willie Z, in his comeback, he did it a bit tough. Um, he's had uh, some injuries. He's been out for seven months, so this was his return. Uh, he shot an 81 in the first round and then 79 in the third round. So I think he ended up 11 over or something. So um, not not a great result for Willie Z, but um, hopefully it's the start of his recovery and, and getting back to some good golf in 24. 
Um, but yeah, there was a big story on Sunday. Did you see that uh, Matty Fitzpatrick was um, was telling on his mate? Dobbs his mate in. Dobbs his mate Cheating, cheating, cheating on the uh, on the test. Yeah, yeah, had a few notes in his um, in his green book, in his yardage book about the uh, the slope on the green. So apparently Fitzy dobbed him in, and uh, Colin got a two stroke penalty as he should, breaking the rules. Fair enough. Uh, managed, yeah. managed under the same stable, but uh, certainly adversaries uh, and continuing to be competitors on the golf course. Uh, so, what yep. was the background there? So, what's the rule? You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to have any handwritten notes um, right. in in the in the yardage book anymore. And so, apparently, Colin's caddy went out and used a level to read the slope on the greens, and then made some notes in the yardage book. And on the fourth hole. Colin apparently used, referred, or, or I guess it was obvious to Fitzy that he referred to those notes. Um, maybe Fitzy caught a glimpse of the notes in the in the um, yardage book and and uh, let an official know. So, yeah, fair. Well, that's um, admirable that uh, that one would do that. You know, there's no different to you know what you do if you're playing every week and someone's doing the wrong thing. You've got to you can't tolerate anyone breaking the rules and whether it's by, you know, you can't, it's hard to imagine that it's by accident, you know, like they don't, these guys are doing this all the time, like they know exactly what's going on. So what, I'm not sure why they would do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what Colin Morikawa's response has been to it. I haven't read anything. I haven't gone chasing anything. But uh, Well, I think he was acting like a little bit of a princess, if I can say that, um, uh, afterwards because apparently the rules official said that he wanted to speak to him. Um, after the round, and uh, Colin apparently waited around five minutes, and he didn't come. Uh, apparently, this guy was late or five minutes late or something. So Colin was all dirty in the media about like, oh, if you're going to give me some news, at least show up on time when when you said you were going to show up, and you know, played that card a little bit. But um, at the end of the day, broke the rules. Um, he's just got to cop it, cop it on the chin, I think. I don't envy the job that the rules officials do. Uh, I was watching. Spent some time with uh, Podcast McPhee. Uh, Podcast McPhee, Stuart is otherwise known as Stuart McPhee, who for a long time has been knocking on the door of the Australian PGA Tour to be a full-blown uh, tournament referee. He, uh, I guess you could say, took over from me as the co-host of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. He's a legitimate rules expert. And uh, he's finally got his full, you know, I guess if there's a referee's uh, tour card for um, being a referee on the Australian PGA Tour, you get the little... But, you know, belt badge with his little steel, you know, um, mm. emblazoned badge, tall referee. He, he's a, he was the one that had to give Adam Scott the uh, bad news that his ball was actually, in fact, out of bounds when it was up against oh, the really? fence. Yeah, so it was Podcast McPhee there from the Golf Rules Questions podcast delivering uh, that That's unfortunate great. news. Uh, I, I hit Blake up straight away. I said, what's Podcast doing here? He's bloody ruining the tournament for, you know, Australia. <laughs> we want Adam to win. This is what we need. This is what the golf gods have destined for Adam. Uh. But um, I said, his ball's in. But uh, no, there's the – the um, he was up against the fence that uh, – sorry, back to the Australian Open. He was up against the fence – for the range, because yeah. it's an internal, big, big fences, uh, and they have big poles. And the outer bounds is defined by the outside of the pole, not the fence. And the fence sits inside the outside of the pole. So when they lined it up, you could see Podcast McPhee down there saying, no, it's on the inside of the pole. Um, you're out of bounds, Adam. And uh, to his credit, Adam just took that and then went back to his, I think, professional that he played and wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, anyway. They triple. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, so Hero World Challenge. Um, what's the guy with Tiger? He's jacked up. Jacked. He's jacked up, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. I mean, I guess it's not that surprising given he hasn't been able to do much with his legs and I, I guess he's like doing a lot of a lot of upper upper a lot, a lot of arms over legs um over the last couple of years. But yeah, geez, he's a, he looks big, doesn't he, even compared to two or three years ago. He's just he was sweating a lot. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. He's got the inverted triangle. <laughs> um now Scott, I notice you've got your tiger hat on. Uh you've I got do, mate. you've got your Tiger Woods polo shirt on, that logo there. Not not even a lot of these modern golf new golfers that we've talked about know that that's an old Tiger Woods logo from uh, probably around yeah, circa two, 2002 thereabouts. Uh you've yeah, got your TW a bit earlier. TW thirteens, two W fifteens, He had that um when he won the was it ninety seven or ninety eight Masters one of his first yeah. So this was his first Nike logo. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Well, he, he signed signed with Nike in um uh would have been yeah 96, 97. Um and when he turned pro and yeah, this was the first logo that they put out. So um but mate I, I What's the reason? Um, Why are you gone all nostalgic? Well, I was scrolling through Twitter on the way home from dropping the kids off this morning and I came across uh, a few tweets that were kind of suggesting that that there was a lot more kind of truth to the rumour that yeah, perhaps Nike and Tiger are parting ways and, and this PNC Championship in a couple of weeks is going to be his last tournament with the swoosh. And, yeah, I had to stop walking, mate. I, I, I had a, a physical reaction to this news, Roscoe. This is this is heartbreaking um, to me and, and my relationship with the game. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, no, it, it would be extremely sad if it's the case in, um, I know, there's a 1,000 people um, that listen to this podcast, well, actually, it's probably two, and both of them will think that that's over the top. But, um, you know, Nike and Tiger are synonymous with each other and it's just he's been with them forever. I think it would be, um, yeah, uh, be disappointing if it all ends um, at the end of this year, if that's what is happening, if that's what the rumours are, are well, true, then, um, yeah. Why? Why would that change? Like they've got half of the campus at, Beaverton, we talk, I think we might have even talked about it last week, you know, your time in the Tiger Woods yeah, we did. auditorium. Um, well, yeah, it's not just an auditorium. It's, it's it's massive and I think like the flow and effect to this is more than just some shoes and apparel and, and, and everything. And Yeah, like a huge big building there with Tiger's name sprawled all over it and memorabilia everywhere. Um, I guess that would have to be renamed. Um but, yeah, look, he hasn't worn Nike shoes for a couple of years now since he had the accident. Um, and the line has always been that, you know, he's wearing the foot joys because they work for him. He feels more stable in it and with the leg in the shape that it's in, that um, that's the right shoe for him. Um, I mean, I've been uh, just so surprised that Nike haven't been able to come up with something um, that is almost exactly the same as a foot joy but with a swoosh on it um, to do the job. And to be honest, I've, I've seen prototypes of shoes that have been put in front of Tiger from all reports and uh, and he's rejected them over the last couple of years. And honestly, like they look pretty much bang on like a foot joy but with a swoosh on it. So I can't imagine that, it, that there's not more to that and why he's rejected it. And by the way, I don't know anything, right? This is all, you know, my speculation. I, I don't have any inside word. Um not through lack of trying today, um, that's for sure. But um, 
also the, the silence from those attempts was a little bit deafening on what was around the corner and what was happening. So um, it feels like it could be the could be the end. Um, Who's got the money yeah, to? Do you take when you take Tiger now? Do you take Charlie as well? Is that you think that's what they're trying to package up? It's Tiger and Charlie, and you know the future is Charlie. Is it? Is that too soon? Yeah, no, I think it's too soon. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you, I guess in a perfect world you package them both up and and I mean that sounds terrible. <laughs> Father yeah. and son packaged up, but well, that's that's um, how, that's how they'd be talking about it in the marketing boardroom. So mm, you know that's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, who, who knows? But like Charlie has hardly worn any Nike product at all. Like mm. I think in the PNC stuff, he's worn a few of the the victory red shirts, um, the Sunday red shirts. But he's always worn different shoes. He's worn Puma before. He's worn Footjoys before. Um, so he's worn yeah other apparel brands. But yeah, Tiger's contract apparently is up at the end of twenty three because he, I mean, we know he did re-sign for ten years in two thousand and thirteen. And there was some reports that he got a lifetime deal, but no, he he didn't because like LeBron and um, and Jordan and um, I think even Serena uh, have lifetime deals with Nike, but Tiger never signed one. Um, yeah, apparently on the NLU podcast today, which is where I saw the tweets from, so I went and listened to that little passage that um, that Tron was taught, where Tron was talking about it, and he's saying word on the street is that there's a few other Nike guys. Um, that are ending their relationship with Nike at the same time. There's uh, potentially an equipment manufacturer that's going to enter into the apparel business. Um, you'd have to say that's tailor-made at a guess. A lot of the Nike guys are in the tailor-made roster. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if tailor-made are making a push into the apparel and tie these guys up with apparel and equipment deals and let them wear whatever footwear um, that they wear. And Tiger goes and gets a great contract with Footjoy. Um Where's Taylor made apparel and um, you know moves on with his with his career. I mean, yeah, I, as I said, I think it'd be super sad. Like, it, it'd be great for his brand, his legacy, everything. If there was, um, if it was a lifetime Nike deal, and they could do a lot of really cool things together and retro a lot of his stuff. But um, yeah, doesn't sound like it's it's meant to be. Um, Does it sound like that Nike golf or Sort of move well, move out of that from a head office perspective, and you know, like a brand is a brand. You know, what who put who? You know, there are a number of people. Are there a number of companies that have the license to be able to put the swoosh on golf equipment and sell it, or or on Nike gear and sell it? Well, so the thing is, the other thing that's been reported, and this is from TW Spot on on Instagram, is where I'm like seeing this, but um, is that there's no Tiger Woods apparel. In the 2024 20, Nike catalog, so um, I mean that's Tiger Woods. That's like not Nike Golf in general. Um, I mean, retailers would have seen the 2024 catalog three, four months ago. So you, you know, and they would have been having these negotiations three or four months ago. So the fact that that's not in the catalog um, that the retailers are seeing is a is another pretty sure sign that it's not available. It's not around. Um, but yeah, to answer your question in in, in general, so um, I had heard rumblings again all on online that Nike could be um, like outsourcing golf to uh, kind of like a licensing agreement. They do that with other sports teams, like more team wear. Um, so things like uh, the South Africa rugby, um, it's 
Nike product and, and you know, it's got the swoosh in it, but it's actually done by a different company um, that licenses the swoosh from Nike and, like, acts on their behalf, I guess, or um, uh, so... Yeah, yeah, they're making all the apparel and they're kind of doing all the deals with these teams um, rather than Nike um, directly. So, like, that's a, that's a big business um, based out of Europe and that's all public knowledge. Like, that's not, um, that's, you know, not sensitive information. But um, who knows? It, it could be such a low focus on Nike's radar for moving forward that they, um, that they uh, have someone else focus their time on it and they'll just focus on running and sportswear and soccer or football and basketball and um and the other kind of bigger categories for them. Like golf has never been a big category. Um, uh, and, you know, Tiger, I guess when you think about it, like Tiger signed with Nike back in the day and Nike was in golf. It's not like it was a brand new category, but they certainly built the category around Tiger and they built an entire equipment mm-hmm. business around having Tiger um, they're out of that, you know. Maybe they uh, they want to refocus their energies into other categories and um, and and hand golf off. I don't know. That's pure speculation on my behalf. But um, but you know, it could it could all add up. And Tiger go well. Actually, you guys are not that serious about golf. I'm out of here. Mm. Um, and 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 kind of head there. It's funny. Yeah. You say, funny you say that for Nike as a entity, golf's not a huge category, but. In golf, Nike is a huge category. I've seen the impact of bringing Nike into the drum and golf family. And mm. I saw it, the impact when it came in, but I saw the impact when it wasn't in. And the amount of people that would come in and ask for, oh, do you have Nike? They look at the shoe wall and go, for Joy, Adidas, Puma, Echo, uh, other brands, you know, Under Armour. Oh, do you have Nike? You guys got any Nike? And like, yeah. it was like, no, we don't. I was like, oh, why? And mm. it just wasn't part of the agreement that, you know, drum and golf had access to Nike. If you've ever shopped in a drum and golf store over the last 15 years, you'll know that story. But when we yeah. got when we got it, which was like maybe through COVID around that time, two years ago, uh, it changed the game. You know, like Nike, great. And the walls just got all the Nike, you know, it was meant not all the Nike, as many of the Nike products that we could get. Um, yep. The apparel, it would come in. We, as the relationship sort of grew and the distribution lines grew, you know, the ordering, there's a whole process to getting apparel and putting in, you know, you have to order apparel to put into a any fashion store like 18 months before you actually get it. So there was a bit of timing sort of issues there with getting full fullness of stock. Uh, the Tiger Wood stuff would come in, you know, we might have three colours and, you know, three smalls, three mediums, three large, two extra large, and that's all you get right. until the next drop, which might be autumn, winter. And it all yeah. go. And then and we go, oh, where's the little Tiger Woods gear? You know, I heard you guys got Nike now. And go, well, mm. no, we had it for two weeks and it got sold out and that's all that's left and we're not getting any more until autumn winter. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Uh, it, would, and, and, it, it would just go so quickly. It was just like, bang, Tiger Woods, tie, oh, Nike, where's all Nike, bang, gone, done. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I don't think Nike Golf ever really reached its full potential here in Australia, you know, and, and it's because of that distribution strategy roscoe like it, it was always been in just the one single retailer and at the like now it's drum and golf but consumers going to other competitors house of golf golf world what like what whatever um uh other competitors and they can't find nike nike golf so they're not like exposed to the brand and they don't have access to it um so it's been that that way for forever 20 years 
mm. um, I guess, just about 20 years. So um, I don't think it's ever really reached its full potential. Um, you go to the U.S., you know, five, ten years ago, you got to go to the US and play golf, and like every second person on the golf course has a swoosh on them, whether that's in the bag, on their back, on their feet, on their hat. Um, there's Nike everywhere. And yeah, you could say that, well, that's an American company and that makes sense. Um, but you'd see very similar um in in Europe as well. So um I think in Australia here in particular, we just never really reached the full potential based mm. on that distro and um, so, uh, so yeah, but, you know, but Nike Golf was number one apparel brand um, in in the golf industry, definitely in the US for for a long time. Uh, if if it's not still today, I don't know, but um, uh, but yeah, it's well. It's I was just going to only say, what's this space, and just see exactly what happens, and uh, if what you're suggesting comes to bear, well, let's see what happens with. Uh, the swoosh and golf. Uh, interesting times ahead for Nike, and interesting times ahead for Tiger. Um, so no chance they're going to, you know, possibly him and Charlie join the Drum Golf Stable and they reimagine the um, Travis Matthew logo and maybe turn it upside down to make it a, a TW. <laughs> Travis Matthew. Uh, I could tell you a funny story, but I love Travis Matthew. As you know, we're pretty much all the time. Um, we have one of our social clubs, you know, like you're in the social club, you're championing the social club of uh, the golf crew in Sydney. One of the Melbourne-based similar entities came in. He was doing a little bit of a live in-store to his Facebook you know, group, uh, Dean, uh, Italian background, um, comes in. He says, oh, we've got this new stuff over here. It's the Travis Mathau. So <laughs> <laughs> Dean, it's Travis, it's Matthew. Travis Matthew. Oh, I thought it said Mathau. So from that point, that point forward, whenever it was ever discussed in the store, it was always Travis Mathau. Uh, there you go. I love a bit of Travis Mathau. I've got it on now, the hat and the polo. Um, no, I don't think, hey, uh, I don't think it's going to happen, Phil. No. Go on. Hey, fun, fun fact, Roscoe, do you know, or Phil, do you know who was the very first athlete that Nike Golf signed? Uh, was it David Duval? It was not David Duval. Was it? Um, Chichi Rodriguez. I was going to say Charles. Oh, I was going to say Charles Howe, but no. So, very first Nike golf athlete was actually Seve. Oh, in, uh, yes. Nineteen eighty-six. Um, the first tournament he was a Nike athlete was the Masters, and uh, there's a really there's a really cool story about how um, he was kind of he was coming second on the on the Sunday, and he just signed this contract, so Nike had given him a, a ton of cash um, to wear the swoosh. Uh, but they only made, they were just brand new into it. It was very, very kind of first foray into it. And so they only, they only had like some polos and they gave him some, sho- some shoes, um, but they didn't have a hat uh, done up. And so he's come in second. He's like, well, I know the hat is the most valuable piece of um, real estate. I'm going to be on TV a lot. I need to do the right thing by Nike here. So he went to the Augusta Pro Shop, went to the merchandise shop and bought uh, an Augusta uh, visor and it was quite a deep one and then he chopped off two of the Nike logos from or not, not logos off two of his shirts and glued them onto the top of his hat so he's got this like double logo um, <laughs> on his uh, on his visor uh, as he's kind of coming second in the Masters in, in 86 and he um, he didn't win it and I'm, I'm sure we all remember what happened in the 86 Masters and who also didn't win it due to a flared for Ryan on 18, but um, 
but yeah, Nike Nike Gold first ever athlete was uh, Young Sevy. There you go. May remember that. I definitely remember who did win it because I was watching that tournament, 1986. Mm. Uh, do you remember who, who won it, uh, PK, 1986 Masters? 1986, that was Larry Myers, wasn't it? Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. Yeah, 86 was, that was his, um, was that when he was 40? 40-something, 40 yeah. The, old year, the oldest champion. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, we've got a couple of other tournaments just to quickly run through. We had the South African Open last weekend, so that's the third in a string of uh, three events, uh, second, sorry, in a string of three events that are part of the DP World Tour in South Africa. Um you know, a lot of people discuss this week why the two national opens up against each other. You know, the Australian Open yeah. too significant. That doesn't make sense. I think that's certainly uh, one thing that would be great to be able to sort out and have this part of this Southern Hemisphere national open tournament really get some focus on it. Uh, but Dean Burmester won that. He went back to back. And uh, back. will he Singer. be – Will he be able to go another live golfer, <laughs> another live golfer, and he wins his own Three national Three out of the f- last four DP World Tour events, Roscoe, won by a live golfer. Three out of the last four. Um, I know I know they have posted and publicised it. You can look at the Neiman on, and Burmester on the um, DP World Tour. I just mm. got a funny feeling that they're not that wrapped about it, actually, to, to be fair. <laughs> I just got a funny feeling yeah, they're not, no. <laughs> You know, Neiman, Neiman picks up his uh, the open spot. You know, he'll be at Troon this year, yep. uh, as does um, Rikuya Hoshino, and as does Adam mm. Scott. Adam Scott picks up his Scott now, his spot. Now, if Adam finishes... Did he not have a spot? I don't believe so. But if he finishes, oh. I think, inside the top 50 between now and the end of the year, um, which I don't know if that's possible or not, that will then go to... His spot will go to Grant Forrest. So, because right. if Adam gets automatically uh, in, um, Grant Forrest from Scotland, uh, from East Lothian, will pick that open spot up. So, Grant Forrest is a great golfer. I watched a little bit of Grant Forrest. I uh, didn't say good day to him, uh, left him alone, but um, superb golfer. Uh, but anyway, uh, Dean Burmester will be trying to make it a triple triple treat at the um, at the Dunhill Alfred Dunhill Cup at Leopard Creek in uh, in uh, South Africa. Leopard Creek. I like watching this one because it's got the the um, the big game park along the outside they've got the river there and you can see the elephants and the zebra and all the other things um just at the side of the golf course there it's fantastic uh yeah but uh johan rupert big name in golf um just throwing some more money around you know he's behind the the dunhill brand big name that you know you don't know in golf he's the one that bought uh mr um uh mr uh live uh, golf over to the dunhill at um in scotland uh, mm-hmm. in october so he's the one behind that uh, spends a lot of money on golf so good on you johan rupert uh, I don't know the field. You got any tips? Any thoughts on the Dun- Alfred Dunhill? We just got to go uh, Burmester again. Probably, for... a South, probably a South African, Pro- I reckon. Yeah, Oki Stratum, Tristan Stratum, um, Henry Otto, Henry Otto. Uh, very good. Uh, and we've also got the uh, Cathedral Invitational, which has already started at the time of recording. Yeah. And talking about Adam Scott, uh, he's sitting at eight under, and Cam Smith sitting at what's he sitting? Six under, seven under. Seven under, one back, yeah. Uh, Well, if you went up there today, very lucky of you because I think it's closed shop today. It's member guest. The uh, Cathedral Lodge members play alongside some of the uh, greats of Australian golf up there, Um, but it's open tomorrow. So if you're going up there, good luck. Send us some pictures if you are up there listening on the way up there to um, Alexandra um, and you listen to this on the way up. We've probably covered half the journey by now. Uh, send Send us some pictures. Uh, and then uh, so Cathedral Lodge is on um, and then we've got the Sandbelt next week. Now, originally Dave Michaluzzi, 
maybe even Tom Power Horan were in the uh, cathedral um, field, but we, are we right in suggesting that they're not in the field and they're going to be turning up for the final stage of Corn Ferry Q School, uh, Scott? Is that correct? It, it, it looks that way, man. I know that Mika was in the field. I don't think uh, Tommy was, but I know Mika was, but he's not there. Um, not sure we, the exact reason, but... But, yeah, I think it's next week the guys are off to final stage of um, Q School where they've got the chance to, to win their PGA Tour card. So that's um, Mika, Tommy Powell-Horan, and also Johnny Lyra. So as part of the um, where they finished on the Australasia Order of Merit last year, top five gets um, straight through that final stage of Q School. So great opportunity for the boys um, for, for 2024. The top five spots and ties um, win a or gain a PGA Tour card, um, so that would be incredible. Uh, and then we've got the next 40 earn Corn Ferry Tour starts, um, a, a card on the Corn Ferry Tour, and then the next 20 after that, so it's kind of 65 and and ties there, I guess, uh, earn something, and the next 20 earn um, some starts on the PGA Tour Americas, and I think we were talking earlier, it's the combination of the Canadian Tour and the Latino um, Tour as well, so... Um, some good opportunity for the boys to go and get after some starts in the US. Tough school, tough school to get through uh, this one. Mm. Uh, but if anyone can, certainly Mika, you know, certainly got the game. I think he missed the cut on the weekend uh, in Sydney. Uh, Tommy Powerhorn, he's as good as anyone on his day. Um, you know, it's just depending on if it is his day. Johnny Lyris, still an unbelievable golfer. Again, he's yep. capable of going deep, but he's just got to put it together. Uh, good luck to those guys. It would be great to see them having some sort of dual status on both sides of Europe and, and America and be able to, you know, apply their trade and, and you know, the, their status on the DP World Tour. And well, I know Tommy's isn't quite as high as Mickers because he was the number one finisher. But they're, yeah. they're just trying to get, you know, the ranking points to earn and get into some of the bigger events. So, yeah, good luck to them. Well, uh, actually, Roscoe, just reading here as well. So, um Actually, so those top 65 spots get starts, but then everyone else that's in this final stage actually has conditional status on Corn Ferry Tour or the, the Americas um, Tour. So I guess that means that they're going to have some starts on the Corn Ferry Tour next year if they wish to take them up, which is I think, good. And I think that's what we saw when we saw Demi Papadaros this year playing uh, in some Corn Ferry events. Yeah, that was right. his opportunity based on his um, status from the previous year. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, we've talked about the rollback. Uh, Grant Thornton, that's the only other tournament that's uh, on this week, which is the mixed. Mixed teams event. Mixed teams event. 16 teams of two players, uh, men and a women field. Some great players in the in the field playing down at uh, in Florida, down at uh, Tiburon. Talking about Norman courses. We were talking about Norman courses earlier on. And it's also a Norman course. It? it is. Yep. Uh, it's an LPGA tour stop, I believe. I don't know much else about Tiburon, um, but yeah, the Grant Thornton, um, couple of couple of choice pairings, Ricky and yes. Le- Ricky and Lexi, Ricky and Lexi, Ricky yeah, and Lexi, yeah, uh, Ma- Madeline and Ludwig, um, the Swedes, the Swedes, Canadians, Brooke Henderson and Corey Connors, uh, Lydia and Jay Day, Jay- Jason Day playing together, Australasia, Unite. Um, Cam Champ and Alison Corpools. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a theme for that pairing. If you want to make one up, I'm not sure if Champ and Corpools okay. have any theme. Yeah, we had this. We had the Australasian. We had the Grant Thornton people. Uh, Nelly and Fina. I think, I think they might be Grant. Nelly Thornton. and Fina. Yeah, I think they're Grant Thornton as well. Uh, anyway, um, Champ and Corpools. Cameron Champ. 
Um, any winners here? Any winners to cap to your gents? Um, who? 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 who I'm going to say TFE now on the back of this week. Yep. Get into the relaxed atmosphere, get that putter waggle going to see that. I didn't. It's scary, isn't it? I didn't, but oh. I think, I th- is he, what's he doing? Oh, mate, he's like a dead set driver waggle over his putter. Standing over a putt doing a driver waggle. You know what? Um, the, th- the theory behind that, I think, if, well, I can't say what Tony Finnau's theory, but I have a very good friend, uh, formerly, uh, former colleague down at Mornington, uh, reached out to me the other week and he said, mate, you've got to, can you find me a belly putter? I'm uh, not a belly putter, a, um, a broomstick. So uh, mm. no one's got them. They're hard to find. You know, we don't sell many, yada, yada, yada. Have you tried a, an arm lock? And they were hard to find as well. I said, look, why don't you make, why don't you let me make you an extended putter with a long grip and we'll put long, you know, like you so say, you can almost use it like an arm lock and, and that should help. But surely it can't be that bad. He said, make me up a putter, bring it down to me, I'll pick it up for you at PK on the way to work. So I met him down there. I said, show me what's going on. No, I'm not a golf coach. Uh but he could not get the ball in the hole from one foot with a, with his right hand. The, the the he couldn't control it. He couldn't control it. Mm-hmm. And I did some research. You know, it's clearly a mental thing. You know, he's got a twitch in his right hand, a yip, um, which is usually a neuro sort of affliction. You know, it's mind. I was doing some reading and research, and it led me to what you were talking about there with the the motion. Golf's an athletic movement, and a lot of people who struggle with some putting and some concentration, they're encouraged just to keep moving. Mm. You know, don't 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 stop. You know, like always have something moving until you pull the trigger. Mm. And I think when you see these quick putters like Bads and that, you know, they 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 move right until the end. And my guy was was sitting there getting set and getting stuck over the ball. So I, you know, the mind starts whirring. You know, don't don't let the right hand miss this, and everyone's going to laugh at you, and then the world's going to end. So I just keep just keep moving, yeah. Move your feet and then just pull the trigger, and all of a sudden these putts started rolling in. I said, Thanks very much. You know, there's your long putt. I'll see you later. But um, yeah. maybe that's what Tony Fina is doing. Maybe. Um, yeah. If you struggle maybe. with your, if you struggle with your putting, try and keep a little bit of you know just a little bit of movement, even your toes toes wiggling in your shoe until you mm. pull the trigger. Anything to keep that mind away from don't you know obsessing over what's not going to happen or what what you what you don't want to happen. Uh, there you go. Free tips. Um, Fino, okay, I'll go. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with you there, Fino and Nelly. It's good. I'll go with um, Zeng and Thakala then. Yeah, not more. a bad pick it's there. Very solid. Solid. On that too. Well, solid. I was just quickly looking through the field, and it was it was easy to sort of eliminate who you don't like compared to who you do like. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Again, part of me is thinking when it's a team's one, like again back in the day when it was the Shark Shootout, you're thinking. Who would it be, you know, player A or player B who's calling the other one saying, hey, are you free this weekend? Do you want to have a you know, have a game together? So you've got, you know, Lilia Vu, uh, sorry, Lilia Vu with Joel Damon. This is like mm. just strange, um, you know, who's going to be carrying who basically. So, yeah, there's, a, like I said, funny, some strange um, or random pairings, but, yeah. yeah. There was another one there that caught my eye, like Celine Boutier and Harris English, um, Leona Maguire and Lucas Glover. Yeah, that's an odd one. <laughs> yeah, I, and I was going to say, like, and Billy Horshaw and Andrea Lee. Yeah. So, no, Look, each of their own. 
Uh, I'm not sure if we'll catch uh, much of this, but I like the format. You know, I don't mind that they try a mixed event. Uh, I don't mind that they try a different format. You know, I think it's uh, uh, foursomes, scram- uh, like there's a, sc- a scramble, you know, like a Ambrose-type format, foursomes one day and then a sort of variation on a four ball. Like there's a – the final day is like a four – what they call a four ball and they both tee off mm. and then they switch balls. Like I don't know what we call it here in Australia, if it's a Jensen's or a Canadian Forsens or something like that. They hit off and they switch balls and then then they play each other's ball or something like that. So it's interesting. Um, It's a great time of year. I'm not sure if they've had this format in the past. I don't know that deeply. But uh, if they haven't and they're trying something new, great. Yeah. I think this is what this time of year should be about. Bit of hit and giggle. Uh, Well, if we get to see... Uh, the best of the, the the men and the women teeing up together, as we have done at the Australian Open. I think that's a, a positive. Um, and back to the Australian Open, perfect. Maybe not developing, going somewhere. The right the right idea, the right way to keep showcasing the best that we've got and the best of, in the best places that we've got here in Australia. Absolutely. Um, yep. And congrats to uh, to um, uh, Lachlan on the All Abilities uh, win as well. We've got to mention him, but uh, Lachlan Wood. From Queensland, uh, he felt like one over, beat a great field with Kip Poppet and uh, Brendan Law. So um, absolutely no slights around the golf course and also an Empower Golf-sponsored uh, athlete as well. We forgot to mention that at the start there. Uh, very good, gents. I think uh, we've covered about everything that we can all and sundry, delivered more information than we intended to, talked probably more than we intended to, but you know what? Um, for the I thought you do it. My love of golf is all good stuff. For the six or seven people that are listening all around the world, we do thank yeah. you and uh, we thank you for turning up week in, week out. More great things coming. I'm not sure how many more podcasts we'll do. We've got the Sandbelt next week, so we'll probably do that and then we'll see how we go for the rest of the year. And uh, while we put uh, Teeps together, I think PK's put his hand up to be the Teeps, the guru for next year already. So already planning yeah. Teeps stuff for uh, the um, start of the year kickoff. Uh, yeah. We'll see you next when week. When will that kick off? Uh, for the first event. Well, I was just looking at the the schedule to see how much of a break they have between you know the the Q school final, um, and so the century, but like, yeah, the champions to, uh, event is on the fourth of January, and then you've got okay. the eleventh of January. So, um, yeah, I'd okay. say probably the the Sony Open. Um, yeah, no point starting it with the century, can that way at least you, you save, yeah. The big names for uh, for yeah. later down the track because then yeah they start Sony Open, Amex and Farmers and then you're pretty much straight into all the all the big what they call it the designated events that they've got for next year. So yep. yeah, yeah, that's what we did last year. We missed that first one and then started from uh, the uh, ah, Sony. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Perfect. Uh, nice gents, up, boys. Thanks very much for turning up again, and I uh, really do appreciate uh, both of you. Scott, thanks again. Thanks for your kind words before unnecessary, but I appreciate that. And again, thanks for everyone who takes the time week in, week out to listen and uh, say good day, feedback, all that sort of stuff. Love it. That's why we keep doing it. Uh, we'll see you next week, guys. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.